The more successful we are, the harder it is to be humble. We may still let others go through the door first, but that's simple politeness and not the humility we're called to show. To be truly humble, we should remember what Jesus has done for us. We should remember that he died to bring us mercy and love. And once we figure out how to be humble and do good works from a place of true humility, we'll find ourselves growing closer to our Savior in the process. Welcome to this edition of the Real Word webinar for the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C. Our first reading is from Sirach, chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, 20, and 28 through 29. Our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 18 through 19, and 22 through 24a. And our gospel reading is from Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14. Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Sirach is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Hebrews is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Tonight, we'll see that sin is like a blazing fire, some blood is better than others, and relatives shouldn't be on the guest list. Okay, let's start by going through the readings. And then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the book of Sirach. My child, perform your tasks with humility. Then you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. The greater you are, the more you must humble yourself. So you will find favor in the sight of the Lord. Neither seek what is too difficult for you, nor investigate what is beyond your power. The mind of the intelligent appreciates proverbs, and an attentive ear is the desire of the wise. As water extinguishes a blazing fire, so almsgiving atones for sin. And our second reading is from Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, you have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word 
than the blood of Abel. And our Gospel reading is from Luke. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Sirach, and in this reading, we heard about humility, which really seems to be a favorite topic for the writers of the the wisdom books, like Proverbs, the Song of Songs, and of course, the the book we read tonight, uh, Sirach. The passage does read eh, sort of like a parent talking to a child, which is helped by the fact that it begins with the salutation, my child, (laughs) and then goes on to basically lecture about how to behave around others. It's It's a timeless lesson, and it's definitely one we need to hear today. And not just the the me generation, right? the boomers, though there are plenty of them who are supposed to be leading us to a better future, but they're actually more concerned with maintaining their own power and authority. Unfortunately, what they're doing is leading by example. So far too many up-and-coming leaders are pulling the same stuff. They're, they're learning to be pompous, arrogant, self-absorbed, and hungry for attention. They're, they're learning that they don't have to do what's best for everyone. They just need to do whatever it takes to stay in power. This reading from Sirach talks about how important it is to understand our proper place before God. But it also cautions us about overreaching. It cautions us to not be overconfident, which can be a sign of arrogance, not humility. What we can't do is, is use this as a justification for not trying. And we, we still need to test our limits, to push ourselves, to go beyond what we think we're capable of. The last part of the reading talked about appreciating Proverbs and desiring wisdom, then stated that almsgiving atones for sin. This reminds us that when we seek knowledge and strive for wisdom, 
it's easy to lose our humility. It's, it's easy to become confident in our own abilities and, and look down upon others and basically to devalue their contributions. It's, it's easy to look down on those who struggle or those who are in need and, and look at them and think, I'm a regular person and I'm successful. You know, if they had worked as hard as me, they, they wouldn't be in need. Now, this reading reminds us that almsgiving, the act of donating money or goods to the poor or performing other acts of charity, is important to atone for our sins. And within the context of a reading about humility, it means that we need to atone for all those times when we are not humble, all those times when we look down on others, when we think, ah, they shouldn't be in need, they just need to work harder. Those times when we're thinking that, that we're so much better than them. So the main message I got from our first reading is that we must learn to be humble. Humility isn't about being negative and down on ourselves. It's not about saying, I can't do it, or I'm not capable, or I'm not worthy. It's about acknowledging that we aren't perfect, recognizing our place before God, and then understanding that we are all God's children. So it's not appropriate to believe that we're better than others. Yes, we need to work hard and test our limits, but we also need to atone for our sins. And as sinners, we must learn to be humble. Our second reading was from the letter to the Hebrews. And in this reading, the the author seems to be contrasting uh, the the old covenant, right, the covenant between God and Moses at Mount Sinai, with the new covenant, which was made possible by the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, the Old Testament, or the old covenant, <clears throat> seemed it seemed far off, right? even though it was illustrated by things you can touch. If if you remember the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God is, is often described as as a fire, or as darkness, or as a tempest, or strong wind, or even a voice that, that's too powerful for human ears to tolerate. So God was understood through things that could be touched or experienced, but God was still powerful and impersonal. So the writer of Hebrews seems to be painting a picture of a powerful God, with images of Mount Zion, innumerable angels, the, the spirits of the righteous, and Jesus all gathered together. You know, not far off in some distant place, but in Jerusalem. It's like the writer was trying to show that our all-powerful God is also an intimate God who is actually very near to us, not unapproachable and certainly not untouchable. The final line is very important to the comparison between the Old and New Covenants. The author wrote about the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In the book of Genesis, Cain topped off the murder of his brother, Abel, by lying to God. So when God asked, where is your brother Abel? Cain said that famous line, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? We remember that line, but forget that God answered, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. So when the author of Hebrews references 
the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, he's comparing the death of Abel to the death of Jesus. Both were murdered, but Abel's blood cried out for justice from the Lord, while Jesus' blood cried out for mercy. Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. There is a new covenant, and it's based on mercy and love, not punishment and fear. So the main message I got from our second reading is that Jesus died to bring us mercy and love. The new covenant isn't just a simple renewal of the old one. It really is something new. And it was something that a lot of people had a hard time understanding. At the time, most religions, not, not just the Jewish faith, most religions believed in a, a god or gods that needed to be obeyed, worshipped, and appeased. And if, if you didn't do it quite right, or, or didn't do enough of it, then you were going to face your god's wrath. So, so whether early Christians were former Jews or Gentiles, chances are good that this notion of a merciful, loving God uh, was something they weren't familiar with. That could be why we read about it so often throughout the various letters. People need to know that Jesus didn't come to bring punishment and fear. Jesus died to bring us mercy and love. And finally, our gospel reading was from Luke. And in our gospel reading, we read about a time when Jesus went to a banquet and did some people watching. What he noticed was that a lot of the guests were jockeying for position. They were trying to grab the seats of honor for themselves. So Jesus decided to give them some advice. He decided to give them a little lesson on humility because it was clear they needed one. But it wasn't just advice on how to be a humble guest by selecting the worst seat at the table. It was also advice on who to invite to the party when you are the host. That advice is a lot harder to follow. Most people feel good when they let someone else go first. Most of us will give up our spot, smile, and say to ourselves, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And then we pat ourselves on the back for being such good, humble people. But the harder advice is for when we're the host. Because Jesus says we should be inviting a different group of people than we normally do. Jesus knows that most of us invite people who can invite us back. Oh, maybe not so much when we're younger, but that's normally when we don't have much and neither do our friends. But as we get older, we invite people who are like us, people who have similar lives and whose parties would, you know, that we would want to attend in return. And if we don't get invited in return, what happens? We, we, we get offended. We wonder, you know, what did we do to make them mad at us? And we think, fine, ah, you might not make the guest list at my next party. Jesus says all of that is wrong. Jesus says we need to invite the poor the crippled and the needy. We need to have to invite those who have nothing to give us in return because then there's no way to invite them for the wrong reasons. We can only invite them because we're trying to be generous and kind. The point is that we shouldn't seek repayment for being humble or generous or kind. When we do that, 
we devalue what should be a precious gift. But Jesus, he, he just isn't, he isn't just talking about cocktail parties. Right? That's, not, that's not what he's talking about. He, he was also talking about the kingdom of God when he said, all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People who pursue power, people who bully, who, who intimidate others and push them around, they will be humbled. Rich, greedy people who are more concerned with their personal wealth or, or their business success than, than with what is best for the community or the environment or any part of creation, they will be humbled. Those who chase fame and crave attention, who are willing to say and do the most outrageous or, or repugnant things to stay in the spotlight, they will be humbled. Why? Because they are so busy worrying about who sits where that they just aren't able to listen to God's word, which means they either don't know or don't really believe that they need God's word. And they certainly don't believe they need to follow his commands. After all, they're doing just great on their own, right? On the other hand, the poor and the marginalized know that they need God, and they're definitely humble enough to admit it. If we want to be closer to God, we need to learn some of that humility too. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that humility allows us to grow closer to Jesus. Jesus wasn't really talking about parties. He was using it as a metaphor for building the kingdom on earth and as a way to explain what the kingdom in heaven is like. We are called to put others first, to, to provide opportunities to people who have nothing, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to house the homeless, and offer love and support to everyone who is in need or marginalized. When we can learn to do that and expect nothing in return— we will learn true humility. And humility allows us to grow closer to Jesus. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Sirach, the main message I came away with was, we must learn to be humble. In our second reading from Hebrews, the main message I got was, Jesus died to bring us mercy and love. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was humility allows us to grow closer to Jesus. Let's face it, humans tend to have an overinflated sense of self-importance. And the more successful we become, the harder it is to be truly humble. Oh, we might still be good at letting others go through the door first, or waiting a bit before we go through the buffet line at the wedding reception, but that's just simple politeness and not the humility we're called to show. To be truly humble, we should start by thinking about what Jesus has done for us. We should focus on the fact that Jesus died to bring us mercy and love, not fear and punishment. And when we figure out how to be humble and do good works from a place of true humility, we'll find ourselves growing closer and closer to our Savior in the process. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. 
To do this, I'd like to answer two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because we live in a culture where this type of humility isn't valued. If anything, society likes the, oh, shucks, it was nothing type of humility. Right? The, kind, the kind of humility where you bask in the limelight while pretending to be mildly embarrassed, knowing that your fans will love you even more because of it. But that's nothing more than playing at being humble in order to build our own reputation even more. But we should also care because some people have gone to the opposite extreme, choosing to be caustic and abrasive, calling people names and, and saying the most offensive things possible in order to draw more attention to themselves. Their enemies pay more attention to them, and their fans do too. You know, they become more fanatical. Which, which must, it just encourages them to be more arrogant and say more and more terrible things. Obviously, someone pretending to be humble is generally more desirable than someone being a narcissistic sociopath. But neither of them provides a good example for younger generations. And one of the best things we can do for young people as they're growing and maturing is to provide them with better role models. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, let's start by making sure we're setting a good example. If you step back and let others go first, oh, you don't need to stop doing that. But make sure that's not all you do. There are other ways you can put others first, whether it's feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, or providing opportunities for those in need. Quietly do something like that expecting nothing in return, not even recognition, and you'll start to learn true humility. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Volunteer to help those in need and don't tell anyone about it. Now, I'm not saying you can't eventually try to convince others to volunteer somewhere that, that might need more help, right? And where, you know, that they truly, the help is truly needed there. But, but don't just tell other people what you're up to. Oh, I went to the homeless shelter and I was at the soup kitchen last week, right? It feels awesome when, when you do something good and others are impressed by it. But you run the risk of seeking that attention, that praise, which isn't what humility is all about. So at least for a while volunteer to help those in need, and don't tell anyone about it. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're going out to volunteer your time to help those in need, remember what we read in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. We don't need to seek accolades and kudos from others. If we can figure out how to be truly humble before God, that is what matters the most. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word, and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. 
The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, copyright 1989, by the Division of Christian Education of the National Council of the Churches of Christ in the United States of America. Used by permission, all rights reserved.